0: Alright, welcome to Jerry's World. On today's episode, I will make my predictions for week 15 of the National Football League. I will talk about what freestyle wheelchair riding is and why I would never consider doing that. Then I will go into what tech ball is and why I think it's the most interesting thing that I saw today. And with it being the holiday season, I figured I would put a Christmas theme on this episode where I will discuss my top five Christmas specials slash films, along with discussing my top five Christmas songs. Sit back, relax, and enjoy, everybody. Okay, let's get right into my predictions for week 15 of the National Football League. But before I go right into them, if I'm correct on this, I went nine and six with my predictions from week 14 last week which is not a bad start from the prediction counter for myself, but we'll see what Week 15 has in store for me with these predictions. And I'm going to begin with a couple, couple games slated for Saturday, the first being a 4.30 matinee between the Buffalo Bills and the Denver Broncos. Buffalo goes into Denver favorite at 6.5 points with the over-under being 49 and a half. They also go into the game with a chance to clinch the AFC East Division title for the first time in 25 years. But Denver is no pushover either. But because of the motivating factors that Buffalo has, I'm going to take the Bills in this game. They're going to beat the Broncos and clinch the AFC East Division for the first time in a quarter century. And and Bill's Mafia will party into the night celebrating a wonderful achievement for the franchise and the city of Buffalo itself. We're going to move on to Green Bay, where the Packers will take on the Panthers at 8.15 on Saturday. And the Packers are favored by 8.5 with the over-under being 52. Aaron Rodgers and company, in my opinion, will just run all over the Panthers because I don't think the Panthers are any good. So I'm taking the Packers in this one, and Aaron Rodgers has another game where he makes the, where he makes a statement of why he should be the MVP. We're going to move on to Sunday into the 1 o'clock slate, and I'm going to begin with the Texans taking on the Colts in Indianapolis. Indianapolis is favored by 7.5 with the over-under being 51.5. The Texans just aren't any good, and they need to – wrap Deshaun Watson up and protect him at all costs because he keeps taking too many hits. Indianapolis has a very good defense, in my opinion, and they have a good rushing tandem with Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor, too, so I'm taking the Colts in this one, although I think it'll be a nail-biter for some reason. Moving on to Tennessee, where the Titans will take on the Lions, there's no betting info available to me at the moment, but Tennessee uh, Tennessee should obviously be favored in this because the Lions are just inconsistent, and Tennessee is in playoff contention and also in contention for the AFC South Division title, too. I believe that Derrick Henry will have another game where he'll have a whole, over 100, 125 rushing yards, and A.J. Brown should have over 100 yards receiving again. So I'm taking the Titans in this one, not just because the Lions are inconsistent, but the Titans are a pretty, a pretty good football team as well. Moving on to Atlanta with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will take on the Atlanta Falcons. Brady and company come into Atlanta five-and-a-half-point favorites with the over-under at 49-and-a-half. I'm taking the Bucks in this game because I, Atlanta's just not any good. That's another game I don't care about. I have no interest in paying attention to, to be honest. Uh, Tampa, uh, Tampa Bay should definitely win this game. Moving on to Baltimore, where the Ravens will host the Jaguars, and, And the Ravens are favored by almost two touchdowns in this game of 13 points, with the over-under being 47. The Jaguars just played suck. Their their focus should be trying to get a top-two pick in the draft. They're already slated for for at least number two. I mean, try and lose out and hope that the Jets win a game, because if the Jets win a game, the Jaguars will get the number-one pick. I'm taking the Baltimore Ravens in this game. Lamar and company are just going to run all over them and run the Jaguars into the ground. Moving on to Miami, where the Patriots head to Miami to take on the Dolphins. The Dolphins are favored by two, by two points in this game, with the over-under being 41-and-a-half. But I'm going to take the Patriots in this game, even though Miami's the favorite. Bill Belichick is 21-and-5 against rookie quarterbacks, and he's going up against the rookie quarterback, Tua. But even though even though Miami's defense is good and Cam Newton can't pass the ball to save his life, I think the Patriots will just run the ball and run Miami's defense into the ground, and focus their and focus the offense on the run game, just to tire Miami's defense out, and my and the Patriots and with that the Patriots offense should just do enough to to win the game because I believe the Patriots defense isn't as bad as, isn't as bad as a lot of people think it is. So, this will be a very close game going down to the wire. I'm taking the Patriots, though. Moving on to an NFC North battle between the Chicago Bears and Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota is favored by three points with the over-under being 47. But I'm going to take the Bears in this one. I believe that, the, I believe that Mitchell Trubisky will have another game like he had last week. And the Bears' defense will do its best to stop Dalvin Cook as well as Kirk Cousins. I believe that with this win, Chicago will still find itself somewhat in playoff contention, even, even though the Bears are an average team at best. We're going to move on to Washington, where the football team will take on the Seahawks. Seattle is favored at five and a half points with the over-under being 44 and a half. I'm going to take the Seahawks in this game because, well, Washington doesn't have an offense right now. Their running game is banged up, and, and their quarterback situation is iffy at best. Alex Smith may not even is most likely not going to play, which means they'll have to rely on Dwayne Haskins, who is not a Ron Rivera fan favorite. And I, and the thing is though is like Seattle's defense is is historically bad, but the thing is though is they still have Russell Wilson at quarterback. They still have DK Metcalf. So I believe that Washington's defense, yeah, they'll get the job. They'll do a good job, but the thing is though, they won't do a, a good enough job stop Russell Wilson and that Seahawks defense offense. And because of Washington's ineptitudes on offense, that's another reason why I think Seattle will win. Moving on to the last game in the one o'clock slot between the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys. The Niners are favored by three with the over under being 46. But I'm going to take the Cowboys in this one too. In this one, the Niners are just banged up. They've had so many transactions On and off the field between the IR, between the IR and the COVID list. It's not even funny. They've been they've been thrown under the bus, in front of the bus, behind the bus, on top of the bus. It's just been a bad season for the Niners. And based on how their season is going, I feel like they, they could actually lose to the Cowboys. And based on how the Cowboys season is going too, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually pull, pull one out and actually win this game just as somewhat staying contention in the NFC. Because the NFC East is actually not a bad division right now, especially because Washington pulled off, Pitt, uh, pulled off victories against Pittsburgh and the 49ers, with also with the Giants pulling off a victory against Seattle and the Eagles pulling off a victory against the Saints. The Cow- if the Cowboys win this game, they could improve to five and nine and still be somewhat in contention going into week 16. Going into week 16. We're going to move on to the four o'clock slot of games right now, and there's only, th- and there's only three games slated for four o'clock, for four and 4.30 on Sunday. The first being between the Rams and the Jets. We don't care about this game. The Jets are going to lose. The Rams are going to run all over them. They're favored by 17 and a half. I'm taking the Rams minus 17 and a half in this game because I just don't think the Jets will score any points against that Rams defense. We're moving on to uh, Arizona, where the Philadelphia Eagles had to head to the desert to take on Kyler Murray and the Cardinals. Now the Eagles actually pulled off an upset against the Saints last week, and they can carry momentum going into this game but I'm going to take the Cardinals in this in this game they're favored by six points and the over under is forty nine but but with all all the weapons that Arizona has on offense between Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins and Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds, and they still have. Larry Fitzgerald as well I think it'll be too much for the Eagles defense to handle honestly so that with that that go we're going into the game of the week between the Kansas City Chiefs and New Orleans Saints this is the only game this week where both teams have a winning record Kansas City led by Patrick Mahomes and company going to New Orleans to take on Taysom Hill and the New Orleans Saints but everybody's been talking about Drew Breezes of late and whether or not he'll play he should play the game or not Kansas City is favored by three and a half, with the over/under being fifty-one and a half. But I, and I'm going to take the Chiefs in this one. I don't think it, I don't think Taysom Hill can get the job done uh, against the Chiefs in this one. And I and honestly, Patrick Mahomes and company, they're just they're just good. They're really good, even though they've been in a slew of one possession games. I think that the streak of being in close sit in close games will end, and I think the and I think the Chiefs will win by double digits. In this game, but don't but don't get me wrong on New Orleans, they're still a good team, but this hurt, this game will hurt their chances at becoming the number one seed in the NFC. We're going to move on to the Sunday night game now, where the Cleveland Browns will head to MetLife and take on the New York Giants. Daniel Jones is not is slated not to play in this game, and Jason Garrett came caught COVID caught COVID and tested positive there, so he will not be able to call the call the plays as the offensive coordinator this week passing the baton over to Freddie Kitchens. Now, the storyline of this game is that it could be a Colt McCoy and Freddie Kitchens revenge game against the Browns, with McCoy being a former quarterback for the Browns and Kitchens Kitchens being their former head coach last season. The Browns are coming off a heartbreaking loss against the Baltimore Ravens on Monday Night Football and are favored by six points with the over-under being 45. I'm not taking the Giants in this game. I'm not believing the storyline of uh, Freddie Kitchens' revenge game. The Browns are a good football team, and this is where they prove that they're a good football team by beating up an under-500 team with a backup quarterback. But then again, we all expected Seattle to do that when the Giants went into Seattle, and it didn't happen. But the Giants are also without quite possibly one of their best defensive players in James Bradbury, too. He landed on the COVID list after testing positive. So with, the, with that, I mean, like, you know, they still have options on defense to use, but the Browns are a good team. This is a game where they should prove that they're a good team. They should beat up on the Giants because, honestly, I know how this narrative goes as a Giants fan. Get my, they're going to try and get my hopes up in December. Oh, we can make the playoff. No, it's not happening. The Browns are winning this game, officially ending any chance of the Giants taking the NFC. East. We're going to move on to the Monday night game, a game that I don't care about between the Steelers and the Bengals. The the Bengals are underdogs by 12.5 points. They're they're just god-awful. Focus on next season. If the Steelers lose to the Bengals, there's no chance that they can even compete with Kansas City once they make the playoffs. So I'm taking the Steelers in this game and hoping that the Steelers win this game because if they lose to the Bengals, it's just going to be a god awful embarrassment for the steel for the steel city and their fans. And with that, I conclude my predictions for week fifteen of, week fifteen of the National Football League. Okay, let's get right into what freestyle wheelchair riding is and why I would never consider doing it. First off, I want to go into explaining what freestyle wheelchair riding is. It's a combination of skateboarding, parkour, and BMX, except you do it with a wheelchair. It's you up against any environment and various ramps and obstacles that you come across where you jump, grind, and flip your chair to the extreme, and which is all part of the joy of various wheelchair freestyle antics. It's also known as a spectator sport in some parts of the world. There's a guy by the name of Aaron Fodderingham who's a huge draw drawcard with Nitro Circus and also opened up the 2016 Paralympics in Rio de Janeiro by doing wheel flips uh, with his wheelchair. He does many backflips, jumps, 180s, and other antics as well, along with being a role model for kids in wheelchairs by spending a lot of time demonstrating how to use wheelchairs in new and interesting ways. But like any extreme street-based sport, wheelchair freestyle takes a lot of practice to get to a level of where Fodderingham is. And that's where it comes along the lines of why I would never consider doing it. I with the, with a lot of time with a lot of practice comes a lot of time and effort into it and if thing and, and one of the things with that is more along the lines of like you know if I don't practice enough, I won't get the moves right and i'm because of not getting the moves right, there's a potential where I could break something, whether it's like an arm or a leg or you know just like the small fear factors of like doing having some significant damage done to the body. And this is just the case with any extreme sport, whether it's, uh, whether it's a BMX or even just like doing skateboarding tricks too, uh, and it goes back to when I was a kid as well. Like I never like, I, I skate, I skateboarded when I was a kid, but I didn't try any of those tricks because I was afraid I was going to fall and break something. And the same thing when I like when riding a bike too, like I never like tried to do any BMX tricks, like, you know, with jumps or flips or any, or, or anything like that, because I was always afraid I would fall off and like break like an arm or a leg or even my neck, if I if I even considered like doing like a like a flip with a bike, honestly. And the same thing could be said with me trying to do freestyle wheelchair riding as well. So I'll just stick to watching the videos on YouTube and learning more about it on Google than actually trying to do it in person. And I really do, sh- and I recommend that you should try to find a YouTube video with Aaron Fa- Aaron Fodderingham in it just to see what he does, and maybe you yourself will find it interesting as well. Alright, I'm going to go into something now that I would consider the most interesting thing that I saw today, and that is the sport of tech ball. Tech ball is a ball sport that's played on a curved table and combines elements of both soccer and table tennis. Going back and forth, the players hit a soccer ball with any part of the body except their arms and hands, on uh, on On this table, it can be played between two players as a single match or four players as a doubles match and uh, and the game be is represented on an international level by the International Federation of Techball, and a number of world class soccer players have been attracted by the game, and the Federation of Techball is trying to get the sport into the Olympics with this very limited success right now at the moment. Now what I find interesting about tech ball is the fact that they that somebody actually decided to combine keep away, like keep up, like literally keeping up a soccer ball and ping pong. It it's very intriguing to like actually like watch like what how how the game is played, like watching YouTube videos of it. It's 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 pure skill to be honest. Like to keep the ball up and then also hit it across a table to where your opponent is. is very interesting to watch. I mean, I probably won't be very good at it, but I would love to participate in it someday against friends or, or against friends, honestly, because, you know, it's like I said, it's something I'm intrigued about. I probably won't be very good at it because I can't keep a soccer ball up as uh, as well as I used to years ago. So... I would be open to give it, like I said, give it a try, have a laugh about it. Uh, I mean, I, it's not, it, like I said, it's interesting to watch. I mean, especially because like how world-class soccer players over in Europe uh, have been taking an interest in it as well because of how it helps them. Like it just helps them with, you know, keeping the ball up in the air as well. It makes a different way for uh, keep-up practice as well. And also, it's, oh, it's another thing that, like, you know, is just like, it's, it's good in a, it's weird in a good way. It's, it's weird to watch, because of, of how unique it is. But at the same time, it's also very enjoyable from my perspectives. My perspective as a fan of soccer and someone that enjoys playing ping pong as well. I mean, if it goes into the Olympics. More power to tech, more power to tech ball and the World Tech Ball Federation. Because if they can allow breakdancing to be an Olympic sport, I think they can allow tech ball to be an Olympic sport. So, more power to tech ball for the years to come, man. More power to them. Okay, with the holiday season being in full swing and Christmas right around the corner, I have decided that I would share with you my top five Christmas specials slash films and my top five Christmas songs as well. Coming in at number five on my top five Christmas films slash specials is a special that I feel that we've all watched at least once in our lives during the holiday season and was also turned into a feature film for the holiday season as well and that is Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I thoroughly enjoy watching this special because I enjoy the story of how Dr. Seuss talks, tells us about how the Grinch wants to destroy Christmas in Whoville only for him to change his mind about how about Christmas, because he realizes that Christmas just isn't about the presents and the tree and the stockings and the decorations and and all and all of that stuff, but more along the lines of the who the people of whoville and how they come together and celebrate the ho- and celebrate the holiday and I think because of that it makes him realize that like Christmas isn't all that bad, even though they don't have anything, it goes to show that. The day itself brings joy to people no matter what. And and so I enjoyed that story thoroughly. The Grinch is is kind of like a cartoonish version of Scrooge because of that. And like Scrooge, the Grinch changes his mind and realizes that there's more to Christmas than just, you know, being miserable and angry. And there is joy in the world no matter what. And I also enjoy Thurl Ravenscroft's You're a Mean One, Mr. Grinch song in the special as well. And I'm going to play a little snippet of that before I go into number four on my list for you guys. You're a vile one, Mr. Grinch. You have termites in your smile. You have all the tender sweetness of a seasick crocodile, Mr. Grinch. Given the choice between the two of you, I'd take the seasick crocodile. Number four on my top five holiday film slash special list is National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation from 1989 starring Chevy Chase. Now National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation should be a staple for everyone to watch during the holiday season because... Well, one it's a great Christmas movie to watch and two it's just downright hilarious honestly and and what they've do and what they've done to make that movie great with all the hilarious scenes in it is just something that everybody should enjoy whether you're with family or friends at the holiday season and it just goes to show like all the mishaps that could potentially happen that I do, that you wish don't happen during the holiday season, including you know miss m- cooking m- Poorly cooked dinner, not being able to find a great Christmas tree, horrible lightings of of the house for deco- in terms of decorations, and those scenes right there are actually three of my favorite scenes in the film, and I'm going to begin talking about how they try and search for the tree, and the scene where Clark stuffs his family into the hatchback to try and find the perfect tree, and... He does when they're singing their songs, they don't realize that, like, they're about to go into a logging truck and slide right under the truck. And then, after they get free from under the truck, they almost go right into a snow plow before going off the highway into so- snow soaked wilderness. Eventually, finding their, themselves in front of the tree farm. Where instead of finding something on the lot, Clark Griswold decides to locate the perfect Christmas tree in the middle of nowhere of all places. It's just downright hilarious to watch. Like the la the laughs that that scene brings are just truly remarkable. Another one of my favorite scenes in terms of of like I said, you know. Christmas dinner gone horribly wrong is the carving of the turkey in the film. Christmas dinner is supposed to be the best part of the, one of the best parts of the holiday, besides the family hoopla and the presents and obviously. but the Griswold family surrounds themselves around the dining room table. Clark decides to cut into what looks on the outside to be a beautiful cooked to perfection turkey, but when he cuts into the turkey it makes a hissing noise and opens up like an alien egg with barely any meat inside of it and, all, and and that's another reason for all you can do is just sit there and laugh honestly as he as he as the turkey makes the hiss and it opens up like an alien egg only to realize like what's gone horribly wrong but because it's but because of the nature of it it just you just can't help but laugh Another one of my favorite scenes, and this is probably the best scene in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, is when Clark tries to light the house and it almost catches, fu- it catches fire for the most part and causes a few grids to lose power in the process. I mean, you, you just see him trying and trying to get the connection to work, but to no avail. And... All of a sudden, the lights just come on, and he looks like the hero, only for the house to blaze to life and eventually cause a bunch of pow- power grids to go out. And though for those three reasons and those three scenes, that is why I enjoy watching National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and that's why that's number four on my list. Okay, number three on my top five Christmas special slash films list is the story of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. This has been a Christmas staple for years. It's been around w- when my it's it's been around when my parents were growing up. I used to I watched it all the time with them when I was growing up. I still watch it to this day on CBS when it com- when it comes on the first Tuesday after Thanksgiving. I enjoy watching the story even though I know how it goes time and time again. Rudolph faces adversity, he runs away from his problems, he comes back, saves the day and Christmas at the, at the end, uh, you know, because, well, Rudolph with the, his nose so bright, he had to re- lead Santa's sleigh and guide it through the storm. I thoroughly enjoy the songs in there, too. I mean, those are great songs, you know, classics, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, Holly Jolly Christmas. I also enjoy the song, you know, about just a couple of misfits, you know, why don't they ever fit in. That's a good little catchy tune in there. I also enjoy the character of Yukon Cornelius and how he looks for gold and silver and silver and gold and how the North is his land and whatnot. It's... He adds a twist to the tale of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer because he's not mentioned in... The song we all know, but because of the character of Yukon Cornelius in the special, it adds a certain flair to it because of the uniqueness of this Yukon Cornelius character, and because he's just some random dude up in the north looking for silver and gold, he play he plays a unique role in the special. Worries eventually he helps save the day as well because of his quote unquote rivalry with the, the abominable snow monster of the north and how he helps rescue Rudolph and the other reindeer from the snow monster only to reform the snow monster in the end and help Deck and help Christmas Town get ready for Christmas in the end too. So the unique story, the unique little details about Yukon and his story in the special as well help uh help make it enjoy more enjoyable than it already is as well. Not and that's just not because he's my favorite character, but I feel like the uniqueness of that helps to the already known story about Rudolph. The greatest prospector in the north! This is my land, and you know, it's rich with gold. Gold gold and silver. Silver and gold. Wahoo! <laughs> Nothing. Number two on my top five Christmas special slash films list is Home Alone 2 lost in New York. I thoroughly enjoy this film. I think, it's my, I think it's one of the best Christmas films out there. And it's my favorite Christmas film to watch over the holiday season. And I think it's better than the original, too, because I find it funnier. Like, in the original, like, Kevin McAllister, like, pretty much just has to deal with the Wet Bandits, the characters of Harry and Marv. But in the second film, because he's on a separate vacation in New York, he not only has to outsmart uh, Harry and Marv at the end of the film, but he also has to outsmart an entire hotel staff, too, while he stays at the Plaza Hotel using his dad's credit card. My favorite scene in the film, we all know the scene of Merry Christmas, You Filthy Animal, like where he uses a fictitious film to scare away hotel staff so he can run out the back door of the hotel, when it's found out that he's using his dad's credit card, you know, the hotel staff gets on their knees and you know tells the, tells nobody that they love them, and and then all of a sudden you hear the Tommy gun going off and everybody's down on the floor and he peek and Kevin McAllister peeks through the door and repeats the quotes "Merry Christmas, you filthy animal," he ducks out and starts running, peeks back out and says, "And a Happy New Year too." And then he just runs out the back door. It's a great scene. It's hilarious to watch. I laugh at it every time. And then there's also, you know, the end towards the end of the film where, you know, he has to stop Harry and Marv from robbing the toy store. And he uses his uncle Rob's house to just inflict a shit ton of pain on Harry and Marv. I I have a laugh every time whenever like seeing him throw the bricks. And when he 's about to throw the last brick, you just hear Marv go, ah, all right, and he 's pointing up in the sky and harry da, and Joe Pesci, who plays Harry doesn't understand at all honestly, and he's just looking and all of a sudden, like the brick comes down and it hits Marv again, and then they both just, just start to go into the house and Well, we all know what happens I mean they numerous times they get inflicted with pain, and it's just hilarious to watch, especially especially like, you know, when the tool chest comes down the stairs and hits the door and then crushes them like against the wall. That's that's honestly hilarious to watch too because then you just hear Marv go, it was a tool chest, Harry, a tool chest. And Harry's just like, yeah, yeah, that's what it was. But overall, I thoroughly enjoy watching Home Alone too. I think it's better than the original, like I said. And overall, on on overall it's just a good film to watch during the holiday season because like every other christmas special and film it teaches the importance of what the holidays really are for how to, about family and being there for one another and forg- and forgiveness as well and not, and also not forgetting about like the less fortunate too because when we see in the film the pigeon lady who many people think is Piers morgan apparently um uh we we see that Kevin makes a friendship with the pigeon lady, which comes very crucial in in the end of the film. There, but he didn't forget her, and he said he would not forget her. And the thing is, too, is like, it's it just goes to show that no matter how less fortunate you are, there's still things to be grateful for in life. And it just goes to show that like the less fortunate at the holidays, to, at the time of the holidays, like should not be forgotten about. And they shouldn't be forgotten about no matter what. But the how at the holidays, it just makes it just goes to show that like how we can be in a caring and giving mood, and realizing that there's more to the Christmas season than presents and commercialism, and it's more along the lines of being there for one another, and spending time with family, friends, and giving back. And that's another thing I like about Home Alone too as well that subliminal message in there, along with the comedy. Number one on my top five Christmas specials slash films list is the 1965 classic, A Charlie Brown Christmas. This is another Christmas special that goes back to when my parents were growing up, and I have watched this for as long as I can remember. It's a special that I enjoy a lot of during this holiday season, even though I enjoy all the holiday specials that Peanuts, ma- that Peanuts made. This is my favorite. It's my favorite for many reasons. The first reason that I enjoy this special is the music that is associated with it, not just because of the Vince Guaraldi trio, but also the other music that is, asso- that is also associated with it as well. The second reason I enjoy it is some hilarious scenes that are in the special as well. The first one being you see them all chucking snowballs at a can, and Linus chucks a snowball at the can and hits it using his blanket. And Lucy asks him what is he going to do with the blanket when he grows up, and he says he'll turn it into a sport coat. My second favorite scene, and actually I prefer this one over any other scene in A Charlie Brown Christmas, is when you see Lucy explaining to Snoopy how to make all the animal sounds for the Christmas play that they're uh, producing and putting on. And Snoopy is making all the animal sounds, and then Snoopy mimics Lucy right after that. Saying that, like because Lucy is saying that, like Charlie Brown needs to be shown respect, and you can just see him like mocking her and mimicking her right at alongside her, and she looks at she looks at the dog and she's like, "I ought to slug you," and then all of a sudden you see Snoopy like give a big lick kiss, and she goes, "Muck muck! I've been kissed by a dog. Dog germs everywhere. Dog germs. Get them off. Get them off. Get some disinfectant." And Snoopy goes, "Nah." I enjoy that scene a lot. I laugh at that scene all the time. But the best part of A Charlie Brown Christmas is how it explains what the true meaning of Christmas is. And this is why A Charlie Brown Christmas is my favorite. A Charlie Brown Christmas teaches us that Christmas is not about commercialism. It's not about the gifts, the presents, the fancy trees, the tens and twenties that you get that you want from Santa or your parents because you think you've been good all year. A Charlie Brown Christmas is about teaching us that Christmas is about peace on earth and goodwill towards everyone. Because Christmas is about coming together and being there for one another, celebrating what the year has been. And Linus tells it in a great way, literally quoting from the Gospel of Luke, and I'm going to read that that quote to you right now. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I shall bring you tidings of great joy which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and unearthed peace and goodwill towards men. That right there is what Christmas is all about. Peace on earth, goodwill towards men, goodwill towards women, goodwill towards children. Christmas is not about the commercialism. It's not about the presents. It's not about the gifts. It's not about the fancy decorations or the tree or anything like that. It is about coming together with your loved ones with with peaceful intentions Goodwill towards everybody, giving back, and just being in a joyous mood. And I think that this message is clear. This should be the message for how shit this year has been. We should. This year has taught me in so many ways to be humble and thankful for what I have, and the holiday season has been no different. This year has been hard on a lot of people. And in my opinion, we should give back, we should be giving back in this holiday season. And we and we as a society are we're giving back, we're showing goodwill towards everybody. And there's and there is peace on earth at the moment because the holidays always bring that because everybody around the world knows what the holiday season of Christmas entails and what it's about and that right there is why i think a charlie brown christmas is the best christmas special film out there and that's why it's my favorite in and the top of my top five list okay we're gonna go into my top five christmas songs now and number five on my list to begin with is father christmas by the kinks I enjoy listening to this song at this time of year. It's on my Christmas playlist. It's a classic rock Christmas staple. It tells the story of the less fortunate at Christmas and how we shouldn't forget them and everybody seems to forget them, even though we really should even though we really shouldn't, honestly, you know tells a story about how like a Santa gets beat up because the less fortunate don't want to be forgotten while others can just celebrate and drink wine and have presents. We should, no, we shouldn't, we should not forget about the less fortunate that don't have that stuff, that aren't able to celebrate like those that have the wine, the presents, because of their current situation. So that's what that song tells the story of, but it's also just a catchy song to listen to and I thoroughly enjoy it and I enjoy it and I enjoy and respect the message that the song brings as well. Number 4 on my top 5 Christmas songs list is The Christmas Song. It was recorded by the Nat King Cole Trio three times, actually. First in 1946, then again in 1953, and then for a third time in 1961. It was originally written by Robert Wells and Mel Torme on a hot day in July, actually, which I find ironic about this because they decided that it was too hot that day to focus on anything, and they just wanted to get away from the thoughts of how hot it was on that day in July that they wrote the song. So they decided to write a song about cool weather and it turned into the Christmas song, which we literally know now that it was recorded by the Nat King Cole tri- uh, trio. And the thing is, though, is like this song is just peaceful to listen to. Once you hear chestnuts roasting on an open fire, you know what song it is. It's just an enjoyable song to listen to. It's a relaxing Christmas song. It reminds you of like what it's another, It reminds you of like what Christmas is meant to be for, and that it's a relaxing time of the year, in tune with how the song goes and for though and for that reason that is why it's number 4 on my list. Number 3 on my top 5 Christmas songs list is Wonderful Christmas Time by Paul McCartney. This song is a classic song. It's been around for a while. It's a great song to listen to. And not, and this isn't just because it's Paul McCartney, one of the most decorated musicians of all time and one of the greatest songwriters of all time too. It is it. It's a Christmas classic. Even though it's only been around for forty years, it's a Christmas classic, recognized and played everywhere around the world. I've thoroughly enjoy listening to it. I'm sure you thoroughly enjoy listening to it as well. I mean, I could be wrong. I, I could be, but the general consensus is that it's a Christmas classic. McCartney. Tells uh, tells us about how it's good to ha- how good how it's good to enjoy Christmas time with your loved ones, with presents and the choir and just being around all the people you enjoy being around with at the t- at this time of year as well. And the song itself isn't too fast, it isn't too slow. It's just at the right pace and the, with the tempo and beat that is given to the song. For the time of the writing and recording of it. As I said, it's it's a great song. I enjoyed it. It's not my favorite. And it's a classic, but it's not the best Christmas song either. So that's why I feel like it fits perfectly in the middle of my top 5 Christmas songs list. Number 2 on my top 5 Christmas songs list is Santa Claus is Coming to Town. Santa Claus is coming to town is a song that has been around for a long time my grandparents listened to it my parents listened to it i listen to it to this day it's heavily played on my christmas playlist whenever i'm out and about or just deciding to listen to christmas music on my own it is a song that can be played when you're driving looking driving around and go looking at christmas lights and all the decorations that people put up. It is a singable song too. You can sing along to it. You can just enjoy it in the company of friends and family at a Christmas party. There have been many versions of the song that have been recorded notably by Sinatra and the Jackson 5. The Jackson 5 version is talked about as the best version out there but I'm going to disagree with that. I think that Bruce Springsteen's version is the best out there, mainly because I'm going to show a little bias. I I like Springsteen more than I like the Jackson Five, and Michael and Michael Jackson. But what I find best about Springsteen's version is the Clarence Clemens saxophone solo in the, in the song, because it adds a uniqueness to it. And it does, and the uniqueness doesn't take away from how they record the song either. It's still at a good pace. It's still enjoyable. You you still can sing along to it. And what I like about Santa Claus is coming to town is that you know what to expect from whatever version of it you listen to, whether it's Sinatra, the Jackson Five, Springsteen. Uh, recordings before Sinatra, a recording of it by a more recent uh, musical artist. The song stays the same no matter what version it is. The song is still enjoyable. It's still a Saint Alon song. It's still a, a song you can listen to at a Christmas party or to drive or when you're driving around looking at lights and decorations too. And for those reasons, that is why Santa Claus is Coming to Town is number two on my top five Christmas songs list. Finally, number one on my top five Christmas songs list is Step Into Christmas by Elton John. This is a classic, okay? Everybody knows this song. I enjoy listening to it. I This is probably the most played song on my Christmas playlist I lo- I just love Elton John. So that, and so I'm going to be a little bit biased here. Um, so that that is why it's at the top of my list. Obviously, it's not the best Christmas song out there, but it's the one I enjoy listening to the most. My the school I graduated from, St. John Fisher College, they had a Dancing with the Stars spin off competition. Last year during the week before finals. And I was a participant in it with a member of Fisher's Dance Club. And long story short, we came in third place in it. But one of the songs that we did a brief dance to was a holiday song. And we had trouble figuring out what song would be best to dance to for... like the topic of holiday songs, and we were naming off all these songs, like Mariah Carey's "All I Want for Christmas Is You," um, uh, "White Christmas," Bing Crosby, "Last Christmas" by Wham, uh, you know, "Wonderful Christmas Time," Paul McCartney, um, and I can and I mentioned "Step into Christmas." Like it's easy, it's dan- it's a, it's kind of danceable. It's an enjoyable song. You can sing along to it, and we settled on that song. And ultimately, that was the song that, ironically, if I remember correctly, got me and my partner eliminated from the competition where we eventually finished third. Which kind of sucks because it's my favorite holiday song and my favorite Christmas song is the one that got me kicked out of the competition. But overall i enjoy listening to it i enjoy singing along to it you can like i said you can dance along to it it's a christmas party staple it's a christmas it's a christmas drive staple it's played on every radio station that plays christmas music and another thing too is that like I like I said it's my show. I'm going to be biased. I love Alton John. Most Elton John songs are enjoyable to listen to and you can sing along to them and this is just another one of the those the, one of those cases there. And for those reasons that's why Step into Christmas is my top song on my top 5 Christmas songs list. All right, that concludes today's episode of the Jerry's World podcast. I hope everybody was able to enjoy it. There will be no new episodes of the podcast until after Christmas. I hope everybody has a Merry Christmas. I hope everybody has a safe and healthy Christmas. I hope everybody is able to enjoy Christmas with their loved ones as well. And I will leave all of you with this.